Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. I wanted to bring a word today along the idea of the prepared way. Could you say that with me? The prepared way? There we go, you say it better than me. I want to talk about somebody in the Scriptures who inspires me and challenges me on a daily basis. But this was all sort of sparked in me recently as I had the opportunity to go down to my favourite cafe in the entire world, Groundswell drive Through Coffee in Mandra, uh, where my wife happens to work, Rhiannon, uh, my wife Rhiannon happens to work three days a week. And uh, there we go. And makes amazing brews. And it's, it's an amazing place. It used to be a mechanic workshop. And uh, if you look close enough, you could see that it was. But now you get the best brews possible. And I've been travelling down there regularly over the last couple of years. But I was sprung on this particular drive down because there's this main drag of road that you're on that you have to turn off to go to Groundswell drive through And I recommend you go there next week. And as you're on this road, you are bombarded with roadworks that have seemed to be there for eternity. And if you know what I'm talking about, this main drag of road in Mandra, I forget what it's called, but you hit it and it's going at a snail's pace. Like, like I'll get down there every couple of weeks and I think they've moved 30 centimetres. <laughs> and, and it is disrupting everything about the traffic in and the traffic out. And I was caught with this idea. So, so I'll tell you what I did. I, I got so <laughs> discouraged about it. Because you got little detours and stuff and it's not fun and you don't see any progress. So I, that I pulled open my phone and I Googled. I, 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 I typed into Google, who's my good friend and helps me understand the world. And I said, I said to Google, I said, Google, mate, why does it take so long to do roadworks? And so Google gave me a whole bunch of answers. And besides the answer being that there's a bunch of smokos and there's a bunch of <laughs> slow downs here, when you take the human element aside, and no, 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 no shade on the people doing the work on that search of road. But when you take the human element aside, it seems like it is a pretty engrossing process. Because there's excavations and there's drainage work and there's compacting and there's bitumen and then there's doing little bits at a time. And it is frustratingly slow. And what has made this more frustrating for me is this is a regular road that I've used and while it was a little bit mangy and it wasn't well kept, it worked. And now I'm being put out because they're making it better. And I sort of think I would be happier if they had just made a completely brand new road somewhere else and they're just inching along there rather than refurbishing a road that was already used. But see, if they didn't refurbish it, it would descend and break and become unsafe and become worse and worse. And I'm mindful for many of us, at whatever point we are in our journey of following Jesus for ourselves, whether we're just beginning, whether we've been doing it for a couple of years, whether we've been doing it for decades, that the way ahead in Jesus being the way, the truth and the life, it's a way that we have to maintain. See, I'm convinced that salvation is not a one-time decision. It's not one moment. It's lived out in daily decisions and daily choices and the way that we live. And sometimes the way ahead 
means to prepare and reset and almost recreate roads that we've been travelling down so that we can move quicker, faster, safer and deeper than ever before. And I feel that God's calling us as a people to go deeper than ever before. There's one person in the Scriptures that challenges me about this idea of the way ahead in the prepared way. And his name's John the Baptist. Now, his last name, his family name is not the Baptist. <laughs> his name is John and his father is Zachariah and his mother is Elizabeth. And he's called the Baptist because he came on the scene early as a precursor to the ministry of Jesus. And the thing that he was known for is that he would baptise people in the Jordan River. And he would baptise people in the very place that God's people had crossed over into the promised land. And he did it as a way to prepare them for what was coming. And, and he sticks out to me because he is one of the most unique people captured in all the Scripture. That when I get to see that God would work with this man called John, who became John the Baptist, that he's willing to work with anybody that He's willing to call us out and empower us and equip us to live the type of life that He has set us apart for. And so John inspires me because he is somebody who lived the way by allowing the way to work in him. And so I want to read this out of Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Sorry, it says this, Matthew chapter 3, sorry, 1 to 3. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. For he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, who said, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. This guy, John, had appeared on the scene almost out of nowhere and had started a revival where people were coming out of their cities and their towns to come hear Him talk about what He was here to prepare for. And He was causing such a disruption that many of the leaders and community leaders were, were, were so uncomfortable with His methods and His ways that they came and questioned Him, who He exactly was. And, and they, they asked Him because He was doing such a profound work in the community at the time. They, they said, surely you must be the Saviour that we've been waiting for, the Messiah. And he said, no, I'm, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Saviour. They said, well, you must be the, the great prophet Elijah because it was prophesied that he would come again or, or his spirit would come again. And, and, and John at that time denied that as well. And they said, you must be the, the great prophet we've been waiting for. And see, people have been looking for somebody to help them the whole time and sort of putting their labels and their ideas on others. And John just said, no, I'm none of those things. Here's what I am. If I could tell you exactly what I am, I'm a voice. I'm a voice. I'm a voice crying out in the wilderness. He, he took from a portion of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 40, which was written about six or seven hundred years before this moment. And he grabbed into that moment of Scripture and brought it forward in the day to day. And he said, I'm simply a voice. He said, what's profound about that? He's not a saviour. He's not the prophet. He's not who people have been waiting for, but what he is and what he became was a barometer that helped to change people and prepare people for what Jesus wants to do in their lives. 
So I'm convinced through looking at the ministry of this man, John the Baptist, that we get to see the type of work that God wants to do in us as He prepares the way in our heart for Jesus to come in and continue to change us. And I know I'm speaking to people who have known Jesus, experienced Jesus through all different times, whether it's now, whether it's been for decades, whether it's been for whatever, but I believe that the journey on the road to following Jesus is always fresh and should always be new. As we learn to tune in and take hold of the voice. I don't know about you, but it's getting harder and harder for me sometimes to lock in and listen to what's going on around me. I can hear lots of things going on. I can hear conversations. I can hear people trying to get my attention. But to listen means that you actually lock in and engage, and that you don't let things pass you by or distract you or drown you out. And John came as a voice to get people's attention to what Jesus has come to do. So I want to talk about what it means that God has prepared the way. The first thought that I want to submit is that we have to be a people who choose to tune into the voice. I don't know about you, whether you've grown up listening to AM or, 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 or what was it? was it, AM radios. I, I used to listen to Triple J back in Kempsey and it used to take me 15 minutes to tune my radio because the place where I was got such poor reception that I, I had this little Senyo radio player that, that, that was able to tune in, but I had to extend that, that little aerial and then I had to tie a coat hanger onto it and then I had to sort of position it and it used to take such minute little details to get it in because if you got too far one way, it was or too far the other way. And, and, and now because of Spotify, I don't have to worry about any of that which took away a lot of frustration, but some of the fun as well, because you, you just go across. And the idea is you have to tune in yourself though. It wasn't like I could just turn it on and it was ready to go. It was a work in progress. And I think that in God speaking to us as His people, He wants to get our attention, desperately wants to get our attention. But I don't always have Him in tune. So I believe the Holy Spirit's always speaking. I'm just not always listening. And I have to take the time to tune in to the voice, to how God's trying to get my attention. And so God used this man named John as a voice to get people's attention to what he was coming to do. He goes on to say in Mark chapter 1, verse 6 to 8, John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey, he proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I am, am, than I am is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. See, I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. See, could you imagine leaving your house and your home and travelling out into the wilderness to hear this guy, John, who's camped by the Jordan, baptising people and to crest the hill and to see this unruly, unkept man wearing camel hide, feasting out on locusts and honey as if it was the best Happy Meal you could get. And see, John actually lived the message that he was given 
which was a radical message to leave what was and enter into what God was doing now. See, he lived by his very lifestyle, not just by his words, by, by his actions as well. This idea that God was calling people out from what was into what will be. And I know sometimes it looks wild and sometimes it looks a little bit unruly and it's messy. But as you go through the process, God actually prepares a way in us where we're able to be set forward and we begin to take ground. So this guy, John, wearing camel hide, eating locusts and honey, helped people to tune in to the voice that God was saying. But see, he was a voice in the wilderness and he had to be a voice in the wilderness because at that time there was no voice anywhere else. Nobody was locking in, tuning in to what God was saying. See, in the capital city, Jerusalem, there was this beautiful temple, functional temple, where they would do sacrifices and do things to go through the motions of performance and worshipping God and what they understood was what used to happen. But in this period of Scripture, it talks about with biblical scholars that they'd gone through 400 years of silence, where there'd been no new prophets, no Word of God, and they were going through the motions. And before John was born, his father, Zechariah, was a priest in the temple and it was his time to serve. And as he's serving God in the temple, he has a meeting with an angel. An amazing moment. And as he meets with this angel, the angel says to him, the desires of your heart are gonna be fulfilled. You and your wife, Elizabeth, have been praying for a child. You're gonna conceive a child and give birth to a child and his name is going to be John. And it seems like they've been praying for a long, long time because Zechariah's response was, we're too old. You're too late. I've been here this whole time doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this. You took too long. How can this happen? And in the interaction Zechariah had with this angel, the angel said to him, dude, he didn't say dude. That's a slip of the tongue. He said to Zechariah, this is going to happen. And because you have not believed the Word of God, when you leave from this meeting with me now, you will be unable to speak until it is fulfilled as a sign to others that I've spoken to you. And so Zechariah walks out of there and he cannot speak. He has lost his voice because there was no voice in the temple because the temple had become a place of unbelief. It was a place of action without faith. It was a place of going through the motions without anything going on on the inside. It was a place of showing up and being seen, but without any change going on. And so Zechariah, as a priest, who'd been praying for a son, gets the breakthrough, gets the answer and his immediate response is, this can't happen. Well, it will, whether you want it or not, but as a sign, you can't speak. And he goes out and the moment John was born, he had his voice returned to him and he was able to say his name is John. Because John grew up as a voice, but a voice in the wilderness. So we've got to tune in. So we are surrounded by so much around us that would allow us to live lives of so little and lack and limitation that 
We can be functionally Christians by showing up, but unfunctionally because we do not believe and do not take hold. And I'm not throwing shade. I know what it's like. I know in the midst of the busyness and the, the toing and the throwing and, and, and the driving and the finding the detours and the road isn't there and, and the frustration that, that I so easily lose tune. But we desperately have to be a people that choose to tune in to the voice of God because without it, we will not go the right way. There are so many different ways. But there's only one way to the Father and that is through Jesus Christ. There's only one way to the abundant life because that is Jesus Himself. There is only one way to be in everything that God created us to be and that is to know the One who created us Himself in whom we live and have our being. That's Jesus. And I know it's hard. But it's one of those things that is hard, but so worthwhile. There's a voice. And we as a people have to choose to tune in. You know, I remember learning Cambodian when Rian and I lived in Cambodia for a couple of years. And my poor Khmer teacher was a man named Bora. And Bora was a lovely man. He taught English and we employed his services to teach Rian and I Khmer. And he was such a tiny man, so small. And he would introduce everybody in his world to me as yet, which is the Cambodian word for giant. (laughs) And it was hilarious that when we'd have tutoring lessons with him almost daily, we would sit down at these little kids' chairs and kids' desks in a a kids' um, uh, schoolroom. And he would give us children's, lessons to work from. You ever seen like the kindergarten kids that are going through like how to say this and how to say that and they've got little pictures of characters and and it's it's really poorly done, but it must be effective because we all know how to speak English. And so he's doing that with us and none of it was clicking. I just could not pronounce it. I couldn't hear it. He he just, he would slow down whatever he said. He said, he would would teach me the Khmer alphabet and he'd go, 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 go. And that's it. I remember. But when he would speak sentences to us, he would speak down slow, like I was slow, and I couldn't under, which I couldn't. And then I'd get out in the real world, and when I'd listen to people speak, I could not pick out anything. See, I could hear, but I couldn't listen. And the key for me is I started to watch Cambodian soap operas on my mobile phone. If you're a fan of Home and Away and Neighbours, I want you to know that that stuff is all around the world in every language. (laughs) And I locked into the Cambodian version of that and that was amazing. So I learnt about the twin who was separated from birth who came back 20 years later or this person who died in a fire but jumped out the window and then two years later appears magically and I loved it. Because what would happen is you would hear Cambodians speak in a normal cadence and they had little English subtitles and I started to pick it up. I started to hear it. I started to, I started to listen and not just hear because it started to make sense. We've got to tune in. We've got to be a people who choose to listen to the voice of God. Not just hear it, not just drive along and say, wow, that was nice. But to listen means to fully engage. 
But see, once you start listening, the next thing that you have to do, I'm convinced we have to be willing to do, is that we have to be willing to amplify the voice. Because there's so much seeking to drown it out. There's so much even in our own hearts. Forget about what's outside of me. It's often the stuff inside of me. It drowns out what God is trying to say. It's the, it's the intimidation, it's the, it's the fear, it's the worry, it's, the, it's all the things that I imagine about my future that take me away from living now and making the best decisions now. And, and I often find that I'm fighting against myself. I don't know if this is just me, but I'm often my own worst enemy. And I shut myself down. And I need to amplify the voice over all the things that would natter away in me to say, I can't, I shouldn't, I don't. Why? 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 It says in John chapter 3, verse 27 to 30, John here talking about John the Baptist. He'd had some of his disciples, some of those that had come out to the wilderness to be baptised with him. Notice that John had passed on the public importance and influence to Jesus who came on the scene after John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been baptising in the Jordan and one day Jesus rocks up and John the Baptist finally says, wow, I'm a voice crying out in the wilderness and I'm a voice crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way for this guy. And he points him out and he has the honour, this guy John has the honour of baptising Jesus who is God Himself and baptises Jesus and John tries to argue his way out of it. He tries to say, I I can't do this. I'm not worthy to do this. You you have nothing to repent of, Jesus. And Jesus says, let it be so that people can see. And John baptises Jesus and it says that they heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And John was a part of that. And from that moment, people began to follow Jesus instead of John which I don't know about you. I I don't know if I would have found that easy because he's the rock star of the culture. He's a guy out there with camel hair and locusts and honey. People are flocking to him and all of a sudden he points out somebody else and they start following this guy, Jesus, even to the point where Jesus starts baptising people himself. And so John's disciples, the ones who are faithful of John, they come to John and they say, "Hey, hey, 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 have you heard about this Jesus? He's baptising people now. He's doing your gig. This must really, really get up your goat. And so John's, he didn't say goat. Aren't you thankful I haven't done a translation of the Bible? He's so mixed up. His response in the Gospel of John, it wasn't written by John the Baptist, it was written by another John. Chapter 3, verse 27 to 30 says, John the Baptist responded, No one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. The Amplified Version of the Bible, John, uh, Jesus talking in Matthew 10 verse 39 says this, Whoever finds his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. 
But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it, that is life with me for all eternity. The great Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So when I approach the Bible, I want the Bible to change me. John was a voice in the wilderness pointing the way to the voice who is Jesus. And to amplify the voice of Jesus, John stumbled on the strategy of how you do it. Here's the key to amplify the voice of Jesus in our life. He must increase and we must decrease. Now in that, I have to be very clear. I have to say, God loves you and He is very happy with you. And He does not want you to decrease because He thinks you're the worst. But see, in our own brokenness, living through a fallen world, when we allow our brokenness to come to the fore, we live out of it instead of out of the freedom that Jesus has really purchased for us. And in decreasing ourselves, we have to come to Him and say, I'm broken, can you put me back together? And so to decrease ourselves, is I'm, I'm, I'm quietening down the voices that are shouting inside of me that cause me to do the most erratic things, that cause me to shut down what You've called me to be, but I'm amplifying the voice of You. Because as you increase in me, I actually become more like you. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but all throughout Scripture, it talks about this idea that we're called to imitate Jesus so that we can be like Jesus. And you think, how can I be like Jesus? He's God. Does God just want us all to grow long beards and long hair and go around in robes and just be exact? No, 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 no. Here's the truth. Because Jesus is God, as we become more like Him, Gracious, loving, caring, compassionate, peacemakers. People who walk and move with heaven on earth flowing through us as we become more like Him. Here's the truth, we actually become more like the person you were created to be. That to really find yourself, you do not find yourself in anything outside of God, you find yourself in Jesus. And you are not a carbon copy of anybody else because Jesus being God, He's too big for limitation. There's enough room for you in Him. And for you to be everything that you were created to be. So here's the deal. If we don't decrease ourselves, we actually become more like the people around us and more of a copy of somebody else instead of truly what we're called to be. You are called to be a child of the Most High God, unique, gracious, empowered and life-giving. You've got to tune into the voice. You've got to amplify the voice. And finally, if you'll allow me to submit to you, you must engage with the voice. Respond to it. Let it cause a response in you, a change. I'm convinced I cannot change myself, but if I open myself up to the Holy Spirit, He will change me. And if He could do it for me, why wouldn't He do it for you? It says in Matthew 3, I'm just gonna read it out again. One or two, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, repent, repent. Repent because the Kingdom of Heaven has come near. Repentance is a dramatic turning around. Repentance. 
Here's the best picture I've got for repentance. Imagine driving down the road at a very high speed and noticing as you're getting further and further down and as you're picking up speed, you see that there's a brick wall. And if you keep going this way, you will eventually hit the brick wall and you're building momentum, 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 momentum. You know it's coming. You you know it deep down it's coming. Here's what repentance is. You get the guts up to pull the handbrake and spin the wheel and turn around on the spot. As dramatic as you can, like Fast and the Furious. (laughs) And you speed off in the opposite direction to the brick wall. Not to the left or the right, the actual opposite. So you can see the brick wall in your rear vision mirror getting smaller and smaller and smaller as you head back on the way that you're called to go. That's what repentance is. John was a voice crying out to people to repent. And finally, if you allow me just to unpack this. So when John said to the people who he was, that he was a voice crying out in the wilderness, he took a portion of the Old Testament, a portion that had been written around 650 years before he walked the earth. The great prophet Isaiah, there's 66 chapters in the prophet Isaiah's book and they're mainly written to challenge people at that time to change their hearts. But there's little snippets throughout it where Isaiah gets above the here and now of his time and he sees beyond and he actually sees Jesus. And he sees who Jesus is and who Jesus is called to be. And so John grabs a portion from one of the chapters in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, and he applies that to what he was called to do, a voice in the wilderness. But see, I I don't think that John was just grabbing that little bit. Here's what he was doing. He grabbed that portion of Scripture in Isaiah because he's trying to tell a story. He's trying to help people understand what Jesus has come to do. And when you grab that little bit of Isaiah chapter 40, you're actually grabbing the whole section because you can't separate it. And that whole section actually starts to talk about who Jesus is and what He's come to do. And I wanted to read this section to you. I'm not gonna read the whole chapter. I'm gonna skip the middle. The middle's important, but the picture is that the prophet Isaiah through the Spirit of God was challenging the people to change and he was calling them out. It's okay to get called out for the purpose of change. It's not okay to be called out for condemnation. It's okay to be called out to empower and equip and to say there's more with love and build up. So I'm skipping the middle portion, but I want you to know as Isaiah had called the people out, there was a purpose. He wanted to build them up. I'm gonna read this section to you. And when I get to the end, you're gonna hear, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, a portion of Scripture that is on plaques and posters in every Christian bookstore you could go into. In fact, my parents, I think, have a plaque with the Scripture I'm gonna finish with (laughs) in their toilet. (laughs) You know, you shut the door and you, Have stuff there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's there. It's one of those verses that as you follow Jesus and you hear, you can actually 
You can actually just hear it, but not listen. Because you've heard it all before. And you tune out and it de-amplifies and you lose the power. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.